And at this time, I do want to uh, invite up Pastor Amelia, who's going to be sharing a word. So let's welcome her as she comes. Thank you, Mike. Hi, good morning. My name is Amelia. I am the Children's Program Director here at the River. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today on Palm Sunday. So this week, we get to talk about agape and creativity. So what comes into your mind when you think of creativity? For me, the first things that pop up in my mind are usually paintings or graphic, graphic arts like this ones. Now, I want you to consider these two paintings. Which artist do you think is more creative? Which of these two paintings would you like to hang it in your house? Can you raise your hand if you prefer painting number one? What about painting number two? Which one, number one? Oh, sorry. Number one is the, the, this one, the white one, let's say. Number one, all right. What about number two? Huh, okay, interesting. What if I said that one of these paintings was auctioned off in 2015 for $50.6 million, and the other one is valued at about $500? Which one is 50.6 million, do you think? Yes, that one. <clears throat> Now, both paintings were actually done by the same artist, the famous Dutch artist Piet Mondrian, who is regarded as one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Now, I want you all to also notice something, the years that both of these paintings were done. The first painting was done in uh, 28 years later, after uh, the second painting. That's very interesting transformation, right? So what is creativity? How do we define creativity? How do we measure creativity? Does the price tag of a painting justify it? What about the labor and the time that are spent on these paintings? So if you do a Google search, you would find a variety of definitions, but most of them sound about like this. Creativity is the ability to generate original and innovative ideas that are valuable or useful. It involves using imagination and thinking outside of conventional boundaries to come up with new concepts, products, or ways of doing things. That sounds like a pretty solid definition, right? Except we have one problem. In the era of artificial intelligence, AI, with good algorithms and unlimited data to work with, a computer can really do a good job at calculating and processing information to produce the most optimal solution. They can generate hundreds of different combinations and coming up with fresh ideas in speedy time. So is this creativity? Using the same definition, it seems that we would never beat AI. 
in efficiency and effectiveness. Another challenge we have is that sometimes creative disease is seen as something that is unimportant or not essential to life. Abraham Maslow, an American psychologist, created what is known as the Maslow Hierarchy of Needs. Maslow believed that people have inborn desire to self-actualize. That means to use and uh, exploit their talents and potentialities. But to achieve this big level, this creative stage, he argues that a number of more basic needs must first be met. The fields of education and business have been particularly influenced by this theory. For example, when schools need to stay in the budget, what programs get cut first? The arts. Creativity or the arts, often seen as luxury, something you do when maybe you have extra time or extra resources, when you are no longer conditioned by more basic or more important needs. But I wonder, do needs always follow a hierarchy? And how do we actually measure self-actualization or creativity? In a study published in 2011, a team of researchers from the University of Illinois discovered that while the fulfillment of needs was strongly correlated with happiness, people from cultures all over the world reported that self-actualization and social needs were more important even when many of the basic needs were unfulfilled. And I can see that. Creativity can happen at any stage of life. When you're young, you're old, um, whether you're poor or rich, in sickness or in health. Also, when you wake up this morning and there's a certain way that you brush your hair or you do your hair or pick your outfit, uh, maybe there's a specific way that you make your coffee. Maybe create a playlist so your commute can be more enjoyable or rearrange your office desk. Aren't this self-actualization? Aren't these creative processes? So even as we do our most basic tasks, we are being creative. In fact, creativity is so accessible that we often do it without thinking much about it. So when it comes to being a creative human, Creativity is not about producing the most innovative solution or becoming the next Picasso or Banksy, or you can be, of course. Creativity is in our nature. It's about expressing ourselves, being alive, feeling good and satisfied. And the Bible seems to have a good explanation for this. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, we are created in the image of God. The God who wraps himself in light 
and stretches the heavens like a tent and sets the earth on its foundation. This God. And we are an extension of this creative force. So it seems natural that we also desire to bring forth order and beauty and wonder into the world that we live in. Whether that's as simple as doing our hair or making a really delicious coffee. Being creative is being connected to the ultimate creative source, to God. Has anyone here tried ChatGPT? Pretty impressive, right? Um, ChatGPT is an AI chatbot that can generate responses to prompts well enough to become an important tool for content generation. Writing codes help you build your resume, even write you a custom poem. So I did a little experiment. Many of you know I grew up in Indonesia, and that's a tropical country right on the equator, which means it's summer all year long. I asked ChatGPT to write me a poem about winter in Indonesia. <laughs> Sneaky, I know. And guess what? In under 10 seconds, this is what it wrote, and I had to shorten this. Winter in Indonesia, a rare sight to see. Sure it is, right? <laughs> As the sun shines bright, oh so brilliantly, no snowflakes fall from the sky, but the cool breeze makes us feel alive. The air is fresh, the trees are green, nature's beauty can still be seen. The beaches are calm, the waves serene, a winter wonderland unlike any we have seen. We've never seen it because it's never happened. <laughs> now, AI can produce, but AI does not know life. It doesn't enrich itself with emotions and experience. It may produce a painting about pain and pleasure, but it does, it does not feel them. It can string words beautifully together, like our poem but it does not exactly know what the words mean or what they make us feel. Being human and being alive, it's still a very, very important factor in creativity. In fact, our connection to God, to the creative source, seems to be the one that's making all the difference. With creativity, we can figure out what makes a satisfying coffee and a mediocre one. We can know what makes us feel confident today and not so much. We can choose to feel inspired or discouraged. Creativity is the difference between life or life. Creativity is juicy, satisfying, intelligent, brilliant, beautiful, original, authentic, joyful, emotional, playful, adventurous, dynamic, 
and alive. Creativity is exhilarating. Creativity is a fruit of agape. Who does not want this in their life? Who doesn't need this? So how can we tap into more creative inspiration? How can I become more connected and more deliberately create a life that is juicy and fulfilling? Well, I thought this is a good opportunity for us to explore this together by looking into some of the Psalms that King David wrote. Besides being known as a skillful military leader and king, David is also a skilled musician and songwriter and is credited with composing many of the Psalms, which are poems or songs of praise and worship. Just like other humans though, David's life was not always happy or easy. David wasn't always laying down on green pastures with his harp. In fact, David's rise from a shepherd boy to power was quite treacherous. The previous leader, King Saul, was jealous of David's success and popularity that he began to pursue and try to kill him. So David was forced to flee and spend many years on the run. One of David's sons, Absalom, rebelled against David and tried to take his throne. So David was forced to flee again and fight against his own son in a bitter civil war. And do you know about the scandals and the murder that happened in his family prior to this conflict? All of this sounds really hard and pretty awful. But if you read Psalm 23, which is one of the most well-known and beloved passages in the Bible, you would read about a man who was very much in love with life. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was such a great recipient of life. It's almost like David spent his life collecting information, colors, shapes, textures, and gathered them into this joyful process called life. David was not doing life in order to delight and surprise the world, David was about being delighted and surprised by every aspect of life. When we are loved unconditionally, when we feel accepted, no matter what, we can appreciate life fully, even the dark times. 
And this leads to more creativity. So my first practical suggestion is be in love with life. Agape allows you to be in love with life. Now, David was not perfect. He made some very serious mistakes. One of the most famous incidents is his affair with Bathsheba, the wife of one of his soldiers. And to cover up the affair, David arranged for the soldier to be killed in battle. That's terrible. When he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, David was filled with remorse and asked for God's forgiveness. Psalm 51 is his prayer of repentance. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Oftentimes, when our mistakes and transgressions are confronted, we react with defensiveness or because of shame. We avoid people and we avoid God and we become even more disconnected. But David ran to God. David understood that God did not need burnt offerings which was the lawful and the right thing to do when you sin in those days. There was remorse, regret, and definitely a beg for forgiveness. But there was also a real deep sense of trust that God will not despise him no matter what. When David's child with Bathsheba became sick, David pleaded with God. David fasted and laid on the ground four days. He did not want to be comforted, nor ate food. So when the child died seven days later, David's servants were afraid to tell him. They were afraid that David might harm himself. But when David found out about his son's death, he rose up, washed and anointed himself. He dressed up and worshiped God, and he ate. His servants were very confused. David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. David's repentance, humility, and trust led him back to God, and Agape restored him. 
David was creative because he was not constrained by the convention of his times or what others expected of him. David was true to his feelings, to his humanity, and to his connection with God. Which leads to my practical suggestion number two. Accept and love yourself because God already does. David understands that every moment is a manifestation of God's agape or unconditional love. If we fill ourselves with good and loving thoughts, we are aligning ourselves with God and become like a channel for wonderful creations. Psalm 145 is called David's crown jewel of praise. It is a unique psalm, an alphabetical psalm, where different sections were preceded by the different letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So kind of like A is for agape, B is for belonging, C for compassion. The ancient Jews recite these psalms about three times a day, with the mouth, with the heart, and with the tongue. David wrote these psalms to be memorized and recited an important tool for the mind. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Isn't this beautiful? Can you imagine the kind of life that we are creating with such grateful thoughts and emotions on a daily basis? So my third practical suggestion is to take David's suggestion. Be intentional and kind with your thoughts. Let the agape flows and inspires you daily. Our artist, Pete Mondrian, was born in 1872 by a candlelight in Amersfoort, a backward economically undeveloped town in Utrecht, the Netherlands. And he died at the age of 71 beneath fluorescent lights on the 36th floor of a skyscraper in New York City. Does this explain a little bit about the transformation of his works? And this is what Mondrian said. The artist is essentially a channel. I wish to approach truth as closely as possible, and therefore, I abstract everything until I arrive at the fundamental quality of objects. I don't want pictures. I want to find things out. And that's creativity, the joyful process of finding things out, being surprised and delighted by life. When I see the children downstairs making their artwork or doing their project, 
the biggest smiles were during the process, when their hands are sticky and when the mess was everywhere. The end products do not seem to matter much. In fact, we are not always happy with the results. The thrill is in the discovery. When thoughts turn into tangibles, you want to be there. Now, we may get insights about the life that David led, but the Psalms were not really the creations. We may appreciate the brilliance that was Mondrian's artwork, but it was never about impressing us either. Creativity is not about you producing something and presenting it to the world to delight and surprise the world. Creativity is about the surprise and the delight in you as life is happening as agape is flowing. The ultimate creation is you, all of us. So be creative and enjoy your life. Thank you.